Amen. Our sermon text this morning is out of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Tell you what we'll do here today. We're going to focus on verses 8 through 13. But we're going to start right at the end of chapter 12. Okay, last verse, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. We'll start reading there, but we'll focus starting in verse 8. Always helps to get a little bit of the surrounding context when you're looking at a particular text in the Bible. So that's where we'll start, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Uh, This letter, 1 Corinthians, was written by the Apostle Paul. And he was writing to a church that he had started in a place called Corinth in Greece. There were some problems in this church back in Corinth now. So Paul wrote a letter to this church. Let's pray here as uh, we get going before we read. Well, Father, we thank you for every opportunity to open your scriptures. And we would just ask for your help here this morning. Father, that you would push away distractions that you would push away, Father, uh, thoughts of work or even thoughts of children or thoughts of dedications or whatever it might be, and you would help us to focus upon your word. We would pray, Father, for the blessing of your Holy Spirit upon us right now. Father, you would fill us with your spirit, that you would give us eyes to see here this morning. And uh, we thank you for it now, in the name of Jesus, amen. I will say, if you don't have a Bible, we are going to put most of the verses up here. We're not going to put the very first verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. You'll have to look in your Bible for that one. Let's go ahead and read, starting there in verse 31, chapter 12. Paul says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then our sermon will focus now, starting in verse 8. Paul says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. There's a saying in our day, I'm sure you've probably heard it, all good things must come to an end. At least that's what people say. 
that summer vacation that you have looked forward to for months now, uh, while you were drowning here in snow, uh, that vacation will feel so great when you're actually there, basking in the warm sunlight, but that must soon come to an end, and you will be back here again waiting for more snow. Or that good dinner with close friends must come to an end. Or that good night of sleep must come to an end. That good movie, that good body that you now have, that good hair that you now have, all good things must eventually come to an end. But Paul tells us here that there is one good thing that will never actually come to an end. For all of God's people here on this earth, for all those who truly trust in and follow Christ in faith, well, love will never, ever, ever end. It will just get better. Extending from this life into the next life, this ever-increasing better and better love for all eternity. Love will never end. That's what Paul tells us here. But listen, there was a reason why Paul said here that love will never end. Paul was making a point here about the spiritual gifts. I have been preaching a mini-series here on 1 Corinthians chapters 12 to 14. And the theme of these three chapters is the spiritual gifts. When you first come to Christ in, in faith... You truly now trust in Christ, clinging to Christ. Well, the Bible says the Holy Spirit now lives within you. And this Holy Spirit in you now begins to empower you. This Spirit begins to work in you these different spiritual gifts. And Paul has mentioned a lot of these gifts in these chapters. Gifts like prophecy and tongues and the interpretation of tongues and utterances of knowledge or wisdom and healings and miracles. These spiritual gifts that the Spirit works in and through His people. But 1 Corinthians 13 here, this chapter on love, it falls right in the middle of this section on the spiritual gifts. So when Paul says here that love never ends, well, Paul's making a point about the spiritual gifts. And Paul's point here, I believe, is very, very simple. Here's his point. Paul's simply saying like this, something like this here in this passage. He's saying, Christians, when you use your spiritual gifts, use them in love. Because the spiritual gifts will someday come to an end. They are for this life only. But love goes on forever. So love is primary. The spiritual gifts are secondary. Here's Paul's main point in this passage, I believe, in just a few words. We'll put it on the screen for you. I think Paul's saying this. Do all things in love, Christians, including your spiritual gifts. For the spiritual gifts are just provisional. They're temporary. They're for this life only. But love is permanent. Love will go on forever. And you know, that right there, that was something that this church in Corinth, they needed to hear. Because this church in Corinth, there was division in this church around the spiritual gifts. They were using their spiritual gifts, but not in love. Those who had certain gifts of the Spirit, like the gift of tongues, well, they thought they were better than the other Christians there in that church. They looked down on the other Christians, and those who did not have certain gifts of the Spirit, like that gift of tongues, well, they felt inferior, not wanted in that church. There was division in that church. There was no love 
They were using their spiritual gifts, which God had genuinely given to them, but they were not using them in love. So Paul addresses it here in this chapter. You know, he's encouraged these Christians multiple times in these chapters. He's encouraged them to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts because the spiritual gifts are very, very good. But Paul warns them now in this chapter that all their spiritual gifts must be exercised in love. Do all things in love, Christians, including your spiritual gifts because the spiritual gifts are just provisional for this life only. But love, Paul says, is permanent. It goes on forever. Love is primary. The gifts are secondary. And man, Paul just hammers that point home now. All the way through these verses, he's just hammering home this provisional, temporary nature of the spiritual gifts, but the permanent nature of love. If you look again at how Paul starts here in verse 8, he says this. He says, love never ends. As for prophecies or the gift of prophecy... They will see, they will pass away as for tongues or the gift of tongues. They will cease as for knowledge or that gift of the utterance of knowledge. It will pass away. And Paul's just highlighting there three of the spiritual gifts that he's talked about in these chapters. Gifts of prophecy and tongues and the utterance of knowledge. He's already talked several times in these chapters about the importance of those gifts. But Paul says now that all three of those spiritual gifts they will one day pass away. They will cease. They will be done. And the implication there, very clear implication from Paul, is that all of the spiritual gifts will one day pass away. Prophecy, tongues, miracles, healings, all of them. All of those spiritual gifts are really, really good Yes, they are. That's why Paul tells us multiple times in these chapters to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. They're good, but all those good things must and will at some point come to an end. But love, Paul says, never ends. Love for God's people. It will just go on and on and on, getting better and better and better for all eternity. You know, as Christians, we get our first taste of true love here in this life. You know, the Bible says that when we start out, when we all start out in this life, we are separated from true love. We are separated from God's love because of our sin. You think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They had God's true love there. They lived in the presence of God's true love. But they sinned and the entire human race was banished from the Garden. Separated them from the true love of God. And the entire human race is now looking for love. In all the wrong places, as the song says. Looking for love. Looking for love in relationships. Looking for love in friends. Looking for love because we know in our hearts we were created for love. But the human race has been separated from love. The human race at birth, we don't yet know or taste true love. We don't yet know God's love because of sin. But John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world, even in its lost and fallen state, God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Because God still, still loved this fallen world. Because God still loved us. Even in our rebellious, sinless condition, God sent Christ to take our sin upon himself on the cross. And the second you now trust in Christ in faith, the second you now truly cling to Christ in faith and begin to follow Christ genuinely in faith, you're forgiven by God. And guess what? You now start to taste true love. The love of God, your Father. You begin to experience it. You begin to taste the love of God. Listen, do you know what God calls you Christian as his child? God says it all over the place in the Bible. Here it is up on the screen. God now calls you beloved. That is your new identity. When you are connected to Christ by a living faith, you are loved by God. No matter what you do in this life. The Jesus Storybook Bible for Kids, I love it. It says that God's love for you, Christian, is now a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. You, as a Christian, you now begin to taste true love. And and as a Christian now, as a Christian now receiving the deep love of God for you, Well, God's love for you now begins to change you from the inside out. And you now begin to love like never before. You begin to love God. You begin to love other people as God has loved you. 1 John 4, 19, we love as Christians because God loves. First loved us in and through Christ on the cross. Or 1 John 4, 11, God says, Beloved, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love in equals love out. God's love for you when you're clinging to Christ, it begins to change you. And you begin to love as God has loved you. You begin to love God. You begin to love other people. You don't do it perfectly as a Christian. I know some of you Christians act like you're perfect. But we know you're not perfect. Your spouse knows you're not perfect. I know Molly's not perfect. I will tell you about it later <laughs> if, you, if you want to hear it. We don't do these things perfectly as Christians. You, you don't receive God's love for you perfectly. You don't taste it perfectly. You don't love God perfectly as a Christian. You don't love other people perfectly as a Christian. But you taste love. And you begin to love as a believer. But here's the thing. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Most good things in this life... They must come to an end. But for all God's people now, those who truly trust and follow Christ in faith, love will never, ever end for you. Never. Your life will end someday. I'm sorry to tell you, you you will die. But the Bible says that all who die in Christ 
trusting in Christ, the, body, the Bible says that your body will rise again someday from the grave. And when Christ returns, and you will then live forever in God's presence in heaven, which is a real creation, the Bible says, the new heavens and the earth. And what will heaven be like for you, Christian? You know, people ask that question a lot. What will heaven be like? And I think most people kind of picture heaven as sitting on a cloud with a harp. That's not heaven. Okay? That's not heaven. It's a real creation. New heavens and the new earth. You have a real resurrected body like the resurrected body of Christ. And do you know one thing that you will find in heaven? Love. 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 The love you've always desired in your heart. You will taste it in its fullest form in heaven. Love in its perfected, consummated, untarnished form. It will be a new creation bathed in, saturated in the love of God. God's love for you as His child but also your love for God and your love for the other people who are with you there in heaven. Man, think about the most loving day you've ever experienced here in this life. What day was that for you? Your wedding day, maybe? Or, or maybe the birth of, of, of your first child, that day when you really felt love? That's nothing compared to what you will experience in heaven. Nothing. You will experience a forever love. Love never ends. Love is permanent. But those spiritual gifts, Paul says here, they will end. They will all pass away. They will all cease. And when will these spiritual gifts end? Paul tells us, if you look again at verse 8. Paul says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Listen. All the spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible, the ones we've been looking at in these chapters, prophecy, tongues, utterances of knowledge, uh, healings, miracles, as well as all the rest of the spiritual gifts, they will pass away, Paul says, when the perfect comes. Just pause. You know, all the spiritual gifts in the Bible, they all belong to what Paul calls here the partial. All of the spiritual gifts are part of the partial. All these gifts the Spirit can now empower within Christians today. They all help us to know some things. They help us to see some things a little more clearly. They help us to do some things in a partial sort of way. The, the gift of prophecy. The Spirit gives a Christian today a word of prophecy. The Spirit tells you something about uh, another person or about a situation that you wouldn't have known otherwise, this gift of prophecy, and you now know something. You know something you wouldn't have known apart from the Holy Spirit. Or the Spirit gives you a dream or a vision maybe, which is possible for believers, and you now see something. 
Or this Spirit suddenly works through you maybe to heal someone. A gift of healing right on the spot. And, and, and it happens. And you can now do something. The Spirit helping us now through all these spiritual gifts. Helping us to know some things and to see some things and to do some things. But all those spiritual gifts belong to what Paul calls here the partial. He says in verse 9 that we now know in part the gift of utterance of knowledge. We now prophesy in part the gift of prophecy. We exercise all the spiritual gifts for that matter in part. In a very partial sort of way. We don't yet know all things fully. We can't yet see all things clearly. We can't yet do all things perfectly. It's all just in part now. All these spiritual gifts belonging to the partial things of this present life. But verse 10 says that when the perfect comes, when the perfect comes, Paul says the partial, all these spiritual gifts will then pass away. We won't need them anymore. And what is this perfect that is coming when all of these spiritual gifts then cease? Well, the perfect that's coming is the return of Christ. His second coming at the end of this present age. Paul says later here that when this perfect comes, we will then see God face to face. He says we will then know God fully. And the Bible's very clear. The only time when we will, we will actually see God face to face and we will know all things fully is at the return of Christ. His second coming. When Christ returns, when all God's people then rise from the dead, the perfect has now come. And that is when the partial, all these spiritual gifts will cease. They will no longer be necessary. But until that perfect comes, until the return of Christ, Paul indicates very clearly here that all the partial things, all the spiritual gifts, prophecy, tongues, healings, and so on, they will all continue until Christ returns. The perfect. Wayne Grudem says this. He says, 1 Corinthians 13.10 refers to the time of Christ's return. And says that these spiritual gifts will last among believers until that time. This means that we have a clear biblical statement that Paul expected these gifts to continue through the entire church age and to function for the benefit of the church until the Lord returns. All the gifts of the Spirit, all of these partial things will continue, Paul says, until the return of Christ, which is just so good. For us as Christians. Just so good for us. Because as Christians we desperately need all of those spiritual gifts now. To help us to see in part. To help us to know in part. To help us to do in part. But once the perfect comes. All of those partial things. They are no longer necessary. These spiritual gifts. They will pass away and cease Anthony Thistleton, speaking of this coming of the perfect, the return of Christ, he says this. He says, its arrival, this perfect, it will be like the sun that eclipses, swamps, or drenches out the efforts of candles that we needed when it was dark. Only a fool lights a candle in the full blaze of the sun. 
In this sense, the pieces of candlelight or all of these partial spiritual gifts, they shall be done away. You just pause and think about what Paul has given us here in this passage. It's really just such a beautiful thing here. Paul has given us here in this latter half of chapter 13, he's given us this picture of two distinct ages. Paul is contrasting here these two very different eons or or eras, these, these two different time periods for God's people. Paul is drawing a contrast here between this present age, the here and now, and the age to come, the eternal age in heaven. This present age, this this present life here on this earth, this present life involves what Paul calls here the partial things, the spiritual gifts, the little pieces of candlelight, as Anthony Thistleton said, that help us to see in the dark now, Help us to know and see some things and and do some things. We need these little candlelights of the spiritual gifts. But the age to come, the eternal age for God's people in the new heavens and the new earth, well, that, as Thistleton said, is the full blaze of the sun. No longer need those little candlelights, the spiritual gifts. It's just this contrast in this passage here, all the way through these verses, between two distinct ages or eras, this present age when we need the spiritual gifts, and the eternal age to come where we won't need the gifts. You look at verse 9 again. You just look at this contrast between ages here. It starts with this. Paul speaking of the here and now. He says this. He says, For we know in part now through this gift of the utterance of knowledge, and we prophesy in part now through this gift of prophecy, speaking of this present age when we need and use the spiritual gift. But verse 10, when the perfect comes, Christ returns, this eternal age to come, the partial will pass away, spiritual gifts no longer necessary. Just two distinct ages for God's people. And Paul then gives an illustration here from his own life. If you look at verse 11. When I was a child, he said, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And he's just contrasting again here these two distinct ages or eras for God's people. This present age in which we now live is in many ways for Christians, it's it's a childlike mode of existence. You know, your life here on this earth right now, Christian, it is in many ways, compared to what you're going to have in heaven, it's a childlike mode of existence. You right now, no matter how smart you are, according to the Bible, you now think and you reason and you speak like a child because you can't see all things. You don't yet know all things. You can't yet do all things. A childlike mode of existence And we need the spiritual gifts here in this childlike age so that we can see and know and do better. But once that perfect comes and Christ returns and we transition from this present age to that age to come, well, you have now grown up. You have now hit your adult-like mode of existence as a follower of Christ in heaven. You are now functioning in heaven the way God originally intended for you to function. That is your adult-like mode of existence. And we will then see and know all things clearly. 
And Paul says we can then give up our childish ways, the ways of this life. We can give up the spiritual gifts, which will then pass away because we won't need them any longer. And Paul then in the next verse, he just continues to flesh out this contrast between this present age and the age to come in heaven. If you look at verse 12, just catch the contrast again, the now and then that he gives us here. For now... This present age, we see in a mirror dimly. But then, eternal age to come, we see face to face. Now, this age, I know in part. Then, that age, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. What a fantastic verse that is. Man, that's an amazing verse. Some of you may have heard of the songwriter Keith Green, who died in a a plane crash late 70s, something, 80s maybe? Can't remember. Uh, he had a song. He said, he said um, compared to what Christians will have in heaven, this life is like living in a garbage can. This life, your existence now, Christian, like living in a garbage can, functioning in a garbage can, a dark garbage can, compared to the existence you will have in heaven. And you can see it there in verse 12. For now, Paul says, this present age, we see in a mirror dimly. That's all you have, Christian, in this life. Your spiritual vision, dim. When Paul says there that we see in a mirror dimly, he's simply saying that Christians in this life, we only see things very indistinctly. Very indirectly, it's fuzzy. Even the, the, the most mature of believers here, your spiritual vision is fuzzy. We can't yet see all things clearly. We, we can't yet see God or, or Christ clearly. We can't yet see all truth clearly. Now, thankfully, as Christians, we can see some things with our spiritual eyes. The Bible says that we have been born again, the Spirit of God now living in us. Our spiritual eyes, the Bible says, have been enlightened. Our spiritual eyes have now been opened, and we can now see to some degree, we can see God here in the Scriptures. We can see Christ. We can see truth to some degree here in the Bible. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that we can now see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You can see now, Christian, with your spiritual eyes a little bit in this life. We have the spiritual gifts then to see even better in this life, but we still have sin living within us. We still live in a very fallen world, not yet resurrected bodies with no more sin in them. And so all of your vision in this life, Christian, all of your spiritual vision, it is still just partial. You just see in part, indistinctly, indirectly, fuzzy, dimly as in a mirror. You ever wake up from a nap and your eyes are so blurry you can't see for a few seconds and your kids want you to throw the baseball or something and it's deadly at that point because you can't see. That's a Christian in this life. You see dimly in this life as a Christian or think maybe of the blind man that Jesus healed in Mark chapter 8. Jesus touched his eyes the first time and he could see. But he said people looked like trees walking around it was fuzzy it was indistinct for him until jesus touched his eyes again 
And he could then see clearly, and that's us. In this life, Christian, Jesus has touched your eyes the first time. And you can now see. You see truth. You, 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 you see God. You, you begin to see Christ now in his glory, but it's fuzzy. You, you see people like trees walking around, and we wait for the day when Christ comes back and touches our eyes again, and we then see clearly. Paul says here, in that age to come, when Christ returns, we will then no longer see dimly in a mirror. We will see face to face. We will see face to face. You will then see all things, Christian, clearly. You will see God's people clearly. You will understand them finally, clearly. You will see God's new creation clearly. But you know what Paul means when he says you will see face to face? He means that you will then see God face to face. You will then see Christ face to face in all of his radiant glory. And that, Christian, that is the thing that you are now groaning for, isn't it? The Bible says that you're groaning as a Christian. And you are groaning to be set free. You're groaning to see clearly. You're groaning to see Christ face to face. We now, the Bible says, we walk by faith. But there is a day coming when we will walk by sight. Looking into the face of God of Christ in heaven, and that will be glorious. Right now, this present age, our current state still with sin in a fallen world like living in a garbage can. The Bible says no man can now see the face of God and live. Not even Christians now on this earth. You can't because of the indwelling sin still in you. But you will when Christ returns, the Bible promises. Here it is, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, notice how God calls you that Christian, beloved. You are loved. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He, Christ, appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. See Him face to face. Or here it is in direct language, Revelation 22, 4, right at the end of the Bible, a picture of heaven after the perfect has come. The Bible says this, they will see his face. Something no person has been able to do here on this planet because of sin. But you will, Christian, in that day. We now, in this age, we just see in a mirror dimly, even with the spiritual gifts. We can't see clearly. It's like we got these little candle lights, the spiritual gifts, that help us to see a little bit in the dark. But we will then see face to face the full blaze of the sun. And you will no longer need your little candles called the spiritual gifts. Think of the difference, maybe, between seeing a photograph of your spouse if you're married and seeing your spouse in person. Man, it's nice when you travel and you're married to have a photo 
I love to have a photo of Molly of the kids. When I travel, I can look at, at that photo. If you're overseas a long time with the military, maybe for many, many months, you might stare at that photo of your spouse for hours. You might even kiss that photo of your spouse. But please hear me. As good as that photo is for you, it is not the real thing. It is just a very indirect, fuzzy image of that which is real. And you only stare at and kiss that photo in the hopes that you will one day, once again, actually look at and kiss the real. And Paul is saying here, Christian, that you now basically, you just have a photo. That's it. You have a photo of God and of Christ and of truth. You see things now, but it's dimly, it's indirect, it's fuzzy. But there is a day coming for you, Christian, when the photo is gone. And you then see and embrace the real. See Christ face to face in all of His radiant beauty. Theologians for centuries have called that the beatific vision. That final, eternal, and blissful, happy vision of God Himself. Seeing Him, this unmediated, unprecedented, infinitely joyful gazing on the one true God. Gazing on Christ in all of His beauty. And it will be beautiful. Karl Barth once said this. He said, to see, God's, to see God face to face is to see that God is beautiful. Divinely beautiful in His own way as unattainable primal beauty, yet really beautiful. And you, Christian, will someday see God face to face when Christ returns and we transition from this present age to that age to come. And Paul says here that you will also then know all things fully. You look at verse 12 again. He says, for now, this present age, we see in a mirror dimly, but then that age, we see face to face. Now, I know in part. And then, in that age, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. You, Christian, right now, however much you know, you don't know anything compared to what you will know in heaven. You know nothing right now. Now, it's not true. We do know some things. God has given us a scripture. We know some things about God. Thank God for that. But compared to what you will know in heaven, you don't know anything. You will then know just as you have been fully known. Do you realize, Christian, right now that God knows you fully? He knows everything about you and He receives all of you. Even the most broken parts. He knows you fully. St. Augustine once said that God is more intimate with you than you are with yourself. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you fully. And you right now, as we would say, you don't really know Jack, do you? You know in part. 
Paul says. But Paul says there, then, in that next stage, you will know fully just as you have been known. You will then know truth fully. You will then know God in the fullest sense that you can know God. I don't know if we can ever know God all the way, but you will know Him much better than you do now. You will know Christ fully in heaven. You will then see all things clearly, Paul says. You will know all things fully. <laughs> That's good. That is good. So you can see, I hope, just this contrast that Paul has given us here in these verses. Contrast between two distinct ages or eras for God's people. This present age, a very childlike existence, seeing in a glass dimly, knowing in part, still battling sin in this life, still battling Satan, a fallen world, you're groaning inside, Christian. Your heart's groaning to see and to know more fully. Groaning inside, as Romans 8 says, as we wait eagerly for the final redemption of our bodies, the return of Christ. And in this present age, our current state, we desperately need all of the spiritual gifts just to see and know in part. Little candlelights in the dark. But a much better age is coming. The best is yet to come for you, Christian. The full blaze of God's Son. The perfect, final, glorious consummation of all things. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet, and the dead in Christ will then rise, and the Bible says we will always then be with the Lord, knowing and seeing Fully. My great-grandfather, he preached until he was 95. He was, the, he was the preacher at his nursing home when he was 95. And he used to say repeatedly, actually, I'm sorry, my great-grandfather. And he, he used to say repeatedly, today's the best day I've ever seen. Tomorrow will be better still. But the best day will be the last day. For that day, is my graduation day. When you will finally see and know fully. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia book series, he says this, Heaven is where we finally begin chapter one of the great story, which goes on forever. Every chapter better than the one before. And do you know what we will no longer need in heaven? the spiritual gifts. They will then be done. They will then be ceased. Who needs a candle in the full blaze of the sun? They will all then pass away, but you know what will still remain there in heaven? You know what will be there? Love. 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 And Paul wants you to know that. He started this passage in verse 8 by saying this, love never ends. And look then at how Paul ends this passage. After he's talked about the passing away of these spiritual gifts, verse 13, he says, so now, 
faith, hope, and love abide or remain. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love, which are so important for us as Christians, critical that we would have a faith in Christ, that we would have a hope in God, that we would have a love for God and a love for other people. And Paul says that those three things, they remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest, Paul says, is love. What will heaven be like? You won't have the spiritual gifts. They'll be done. That is when they will cease. But you will have love. A new creation filled, saturated with the love of God for His people and our love for God and for one another. Love never ends. I want to be clear. That is only for God's people. There are many guests here today. I don't know many of you. Let me be clear. Love will never end for those who truly trust in Christ. If you have truly repented, you've turned away from your sin, and you are now truly trusting in Christ, He is really your master. You are seeking to follow Him. You are seeking to read the Scriptures to know what your master wants you to do. If that's you, truly connected to Christ, love for you will never end. But if you die not truly trusting in Christ, if you are one of the people that Jesus talks about who call Him Lord, but you don't do what He says, love for you will end when you die. The Bible is clear. It's gone at that point. So, trust in Christ. And for you who do, love never ends. So, primary point here in this passage, what was God saying back then? What's He saying today? Do all things in love, including your spiritual gifts. Because the spiritual gifts are provisional. They will pass away. But love is permanent. It goes on forever. So, Christians, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Please do. God commands us to. Please do that. All the spiritual gifts, the Bible says. But just remember, spiritual gifts are secondary. And make sure all you do is in love. So, those of you in Christ, as you live with your spouse or you parent your kids, love as God has loved you. When you find yourself in a conflict at work or in your life group or in your home, love as God has loved you. When you send your emails, when you post on Facebook, when when you do all those things, drive your car, love as God has loved you. When you use your spiritual gifts or when you just talk about spiritual gifts, love as God has loved you. May God help us as a church to do all things in love and to really do it in love. For we have been loved and love is the one good thing that will go on forever. Lord, bless your holy name in Christ. We thank you for the love we've received in and through Christ. We thank you, Father, for your mercy poured out upon us in Christ. 
Thank you, Father, that you now look at us here in this present age, living in a trash can compared to what we'll have. You look at us and you call us beloved, my beloved children, and that you never stop loving us. And we thank you for the spiritual gifts you've given to us to help us in this life, to see and to know more fully, more clearly. But, Father, we look forward to that day when Christ returns And we just publicly profess Christ will return. And when he returns, everything in this present age will be wrapped up and done, including the spiritual gifts. We will no longer need the candlelights, for we will then live forever in the full blaze of the sun, which will be love. So, Father, help us to love here on this earth so that we might reflect that future eternal love that will be ours in heaven. Help us to love and to give out this little foretaste of the world to come, for love never ends. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.